into our program, into our series, and today we're going to look at the topic, the day after. It is a beauty, a very exciting, positive Bible study. I know God will bless us. Before we go any further, though, I would like to ask the Lord Jesus to be with us. So would you please bow your heads? Jesus, this morning we come before you. We acknowledge you as the great King, as the Lord of Lord, and we just pray, Father, in a very special way that you'll be with us now, that you'll that you'll touch our hearts and that you'll lead us to the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You'll remember last week we looked at the end of the world, the, the, the second coming of Jesus, and we, we were able to, through our Bible study, discover some very exciting things. But I would like to, just as we begin this morning, make two comments, and they're very sobering, serious sort of comments, but they're true because they're from the Bible, and I think they should they should cause us to stop and reflect on our own lives. Because these comments are made by Jesus about you and I, us who live at the end of time, at the very end of this world. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, Jesus, in reflecting on us, on our day, Luke chapter 18, verse 8, he says, when the Son of Man, he says, when I come, he said, will I find faith on the earth? That's not a reflective question. Jesus is indicating here that when he returns, there will not necessarily be that many people waiting for him. He goes further in Matthew. Matthew, and if you have your Bibles, just come across there quickly with me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and verse 14, where Jesus, again, reflecting on the day we live in, reflecting on the struggle and the battles we face to make it to the kingdom, says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Listen what Jesus says, because he's talking to you and I this morning. This is a challenge. But small, says Jesus, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and few there are that find it. And in this series, above all else, if you get nothing else, I want you to realize that if you are going to be ready for Jesus when he returns, if you are going to survive what is ahead of us in this world, then you need a relationship, a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. That means Bible study. Oh, brothers and sisters, those of you watching this on TV, we need to get into our Bibles. If we want to be ready for Jesus to come, we need to be men and women of the word. This is where Jesus talks to us. This is where Jesus strengthens us. It's in this book that we get guidance and direction that will see us through these terrible troublesome times ahead of us. And we need to be men and women of prayer. If you have Bible study and if you have prayer in your life, then you know Jesus and you will make it. You will be one of the few. Yes, you will be one of the few who will make it through the troublesome times ahead of us. You will be ready for Jesus. You will survive and you will live for eternity. The day after. You remember last week we looked at the signs of the end of this world. 
We looked then at what it would be like when Jesus comes. Now the signs, let's look at them for a moment. Jesus said there'd be wars. He said there'd be sickness. He said there'd be strife. He said there'd be famine. He said there'd be earthquakes. He said there'd be tsunamis. All the things we're seeing now, Jesus said, would be happening at the end of the world. We live at the end of the world. The Bible clearly tells us that. And if you want to go back through this yourself, you go to Matthew 24, you go to Luke chapter 21 and be convicted of this yourself. There are signs that tell us Jesus is almost here. And then we looked at the second coming of Jesus. And we saw that the second coming of Jesus would be a visible event. If you are alive, when Jesus comes, you cannot help, you will see it. This is not a secret rapture. This is not for just a a few million people scattered around the world to be secretly taken up to heaven. This is visible. You will see it. We saw that Jesus will raise the dead. Those who have died loving Jesus, they'll be raised at the second coming. And together, read First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, 17 and 18. Jesus raises the dead from the ground, those who died loving him. And together with those who are alive, Jesus takes the saved up into heaven to live with him. The wicked we found in Jeremiah 25, 33 will perish. Very sad time for them. But we who love the Lord... We who have invited Jesus into our hearts, when he returns, we will rise up in the sky to be with him forever. Now, often we finish the Bible study there, but I don't want to do that today. I want to take you to the Bible and I want, I want to share with you what happens next. What happens the day after? What happens after Jesus comes back, takes the saved, the redeemed, the righteous with him? What happens? Is that the end or is the story yet to be completed? Well, if you have your Bibles, I want to take you to Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to look today briefly at what happens the day after the return of Jesus. Revelation chapter 20 Verse 1 to 3, context, second coming. The saints have risen into the sky. Unfortunately, the wicked are lying across the world dead. There is darkness upon the world. It is ripped up. Mountain chains have sunk into the sea. I'll read Revelation chapter 6, verse 14 through to 17. Mountain chains sunken into the sea. Uh, bridges and buildings fallen down. The world is a mess. And there was no one left here except the devil and his wicked host. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, And I saw an angel coming down from out of heaven. This angel has the key to the abyss. And he was holding it in his hand a great chain. Verse 2, He sees a dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan. And he bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss And he locked and sealed it over him to keep him, this is important, to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore. You can see this is not the end of the story. Because this angel comes down, chains Satan, and the Bible says he chains him for a thousand years so he could not deceive the nations anymore, verse 3, until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. Satan... The Bible tells us very clearly at the return of Jesus, the saints, those who love the Lord, both the resurrected dead and those who are alive, go up into the heavens to be with Jesus. Satan is left on earth. 
Jesus sends a mighty angel. In fact, the word angel means messenger. This could very well be Jesus himself. A mighty angel comes down from heaven. The reason I think it's Jesus is because Jesus has the power to do this. A mighty angel comes down from heaven. A messenger from God comes down from heaven with a great chain in his hand and he binds the devil. What does that symbolically mean? It means that he ties him to this earth. It is punishment. There is no one left here, just darkness. The sun is gone. The stars have disappeared. The the, the world is bathed in impenetrable darkness and the devil and his angels are on the world with no one to tempt. And the Bible, here's the millennium. This is not a glorious time for the people of God on the earth. Because the only one on the earth, according to the Bible, read Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 to 3. The only one on the earth is the devil and his angels. The redeemed, the saved of God, have gone to heaven. They are not on the earth. They are in heaven. And here is the devil for a thousand years on this earth with no one to tempt, nothing to do except contemplate, reflect, on his wicked rule on this planet for 6,000 years. So we can see that Satan with his wicked host is on earth, but where are the saints of God? Where are those who gave their hearts to Jesus Christ, who said, we will follow you at all costs? Well, we know that they went up into the air with Jesus Christ, but what happens to them? Well, let's have a look. Revelation chapter 20 verse 4 answers that question. I saw thrones on which were seated those. Who is this? This is the redeemed. This is the righteous. This is you if you choose Jesus, if you invite Jesus into your heart. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ. How long? A thousand years. Don't you let anybody tell you that the saints of God reign with him on this earth for a thousand years. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible clearly says that the saints of God are on thrones with him in heaven, reigning for a thousand years. Now, how does the Bible, how does the Bible describe these saints? I love this description of those who make it to the kingdom. And as we look at this in the Bible for a few minutes now, ask yourself, is this describing me? Am I one of these people who will be in the kingdom of heaven with God? This is how the Bible describes them. Revelation, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 12. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. This is how God describes those he's coming back for. They are overcomers. And just to bring it home to us, look at verse 21, same chapter, Revelation 3. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And verse 22 says, and this is a challenge, he who has an ear, that's you. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is coming for overcomers. Are you an overcomer? Are the sins in your life being overcome through the power of Christ? If they are, then you are in that group 
that Jesus describes as the people he is coming back for. He is coming back for the overcomers, those who perished in the arenas of Rome, who gave up their lives in the arenas of Rome to lions and to gladiators rather than give up Jesus Christ. These are the people who were burned at the stake, who fled to the mountains, to the far islands of the sea, rather than give up Jesus Christ. This is the history of the Christian church, a church that has been, that has been persecuted and yet full of people who were overcomers. These are the people in the 21st century, the times that you and I live in, who resisted the temptations of our century, who resisted the lust for wealth, who resisted the moral temptations that are so, so prevalent in our world. This is who Jesus is coming back for, the overcomers. So where do these overcomers go? John 14, 1 to 3, just to bring this home to you one more time. In my father's house, Jesus said, are many mansions. Where's Jesus' father's house in heaven? Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go, says Jesus, go and check this for yourself. I go to prepare a place for you. Where did Jesus go? He went to heaven. And if I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again. This is the second coming. That where I am, where's Jesus? He's in heaven. There you may be also. Now, I know there's a lot of Christian churches, a lot of Christian denominations out there. In fact, maybe the majority who are preaching that when Jesus comes to earth the second time, he establishes and reigns here for a thousand years. It's not true. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the saints are in heaven with him. The Bible says that the devil is bound on this earth. The last place you want to be in the millennium, in the thousand years described here in Revelation 20, the last place you want to be is here on earth. Because if you are here on earth as a human being, then unfortunately you will be dead. The only live human beings during this millennium, which means thousand years, the only live human beings are in heaven with Jesus Christ. I wonder what is heaven like? Let's, let's just have a look very quickly. I wish we had more time to look at this wonderful subject. What will heaven be like? There's not a lot in the Bible about heaven, but there is enough. There is enough to whet our appetite, to whet our imagination. Go to Isaiah chapter 11. It's a beautiful chapter on heaven. And let's see what this Old Testament prophet had to say about heaven. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 6. He says, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. This is not the world we live in. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. Verse 7. The cow will feed with the bear. Again, this is not the world we live in. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The lions won't be eating you or me. And I've seen lions in the wild. And I tell you what, they, they are carnivorous beasts of prey. And if they can get a hold of meat, they will eat meat, even if it happens to be you, not in heaven. The Bible says, you're obviously looking at some genetic change to the lion, the lion will eat straw like an ox. Look at this, verse 8. Jesus wants to assure us that in heaven our children will be safe. He says in verse 8, the infant will play near the hole of the cobra. 
And the young child put his hand into the vipers, into the snake's nest. In verse 9 he says, They will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain, for it will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Oh, this is a place you want to be. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The lion eats straw. There's no danger for children, no harm in all of God's heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Look at it in your Bibles. Talking about heaven. The Bible prophet says, No eye has seen, no mind has conceived the wonders that God has in store for those who love him. You can't imagine how wonderful heaven is going to be. And I've often wondered, what will I do when I get to heaven? Well, let your imagination run wild. And you still can't get a grip. You can't grab what heaven will be like. I'm going to explore the massive planets in our universe. Arcturus and Taris. These massive planets that our world will fit into thousands, not hundreds, thousands of times. Thousands and thousands of times bigger than planet Earth. I am going to go through the constellations. I'm going to study these planets. I'm going to go into space. I've always wanted to do it. I'm going to do it when we get to heaven. My girls love horse riding. I've told them, girls, you, you know, we spend a fortune on, 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 on giving our girls horse riding lessons. We have to sacrifice so my girls can go once a fortnight, not once a, a week, but once a fortnight to horse riding lessons. I, I've told my little daughter, Hannah, the oldest one, she is horse mad, saddle club mad, in fact. Some of you will know what that's like, those of you who've got daughters. Not, not many boys tend to get into horses, but I've told Hannah, hey, girl, when you get to heaven, you can have your own horse and you can ride that thing wherever you want. You can get on it bareback. You won't need a saddle up there. You won't need reins, and you can get on that horse, and you can ride it down the beach. Oh, her eyes light up. She can't wait to get to heaven. The beautiful rivers, the beautiful valleys, the rolling hills. Sometimes I think I'll get to heaven, and I'll just sit down for a thousand years next to a river and rest. I, I wonder whether you feel like that sometimes. Heaven is just going to be the most amazing place. Isaiah 65, verse 21 and 22 says when we get to heaven, we'll build houses, we'll plant vineyards. Will we build houses in heaven? Well, maybe. Or maybe on some planet that God has, has made somewhere. I, I, I like surfing. I don't do a lot of it since I've been married, and that's the last 15-odd years. But I can imagine, and the Bible says there's no sea in heaven. But there is a sea here on this earth. And so if there's a sea on this earth, surely God's created other planets with sea, with, with the ocean on them. I, I'll find one. And, and I'll build. I'll build a house on the beach. I can't wait. I can't wait. But of course, above all else in heaven is Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this morning that I would be happy just to follow Jesus around heaven for eternity. I wouldn't need anything else. And heaven's something you should aspire to. Heaven's something you should think about. Heaven is something, as you go to bed, you should contemplate on. If you've got insomnia and you wake up in the middle of the night, think on heaven. There's no more positive, no more positive subject a human being can dwell on than what God has prepared in heaven for you. So let's bring this story to an end. And it's a sad and yet it's a glorious end. Revelation chapter 21, verse 10. And this is the end of the story.
The Bible says in John's envision, he says, And Jesus carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. This is the end of the story. God miraculously takes this new Jerusalem, this huge city. Read Revelation 21 verse 16. This city is 600 kilometers long. It is 600 kilometers wide and it is 600, yes it is, kilometers high. You are talking about dimensions of a city that we don't get a grip of. We don't understand. And God brings the new Jerusalem down from heaven to earth. In fact, Zechariah 14 verse 4, you look at that sometime, says that when the new Jerusalem comes down, the Lord splits the amount of olives in half. So the new Jerusalem comes down to the site of the old Jerusalem. What happens? Well, Revelation chapter 20, and this is a sad end to this story, says verse 7, when the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. There will be a resurrection of the unrighteous, of the unsaved dead. They will be resurrected. Every human being who has ever lived will be alive on this day. This is a date with destiny you cannot escape. Satan will be released from prison. He'll have all these people to deceive and he will go out to the nations, to the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand of the sea and they look up to the new Jerusalem, they see it in its glory They see it in its beauty. Verse 9, and what do they do? They march across the breadth of the earth and surround the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But this is the end for them. No longer, because the Bible says fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur and is no more. That is the end of the story. It is a date with destiny that you have. You can either choose to be with God. You can let Jesus into your heart this morning. Or you can choose to carry on the road that you're already on. As broad as wide and will take you to destruction. You know, when the devil is destroyed with all the wicked, the Bible says very clearly then that what happens is God recreates this earth. He puts his throne on this earth. And together with God, we live for eternity. It is your call. Do you want to be with the Lord? Do you want to live forever? Do you want to survive? Then this morning, invite him into your heart. Let him be the king of your life. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I'm your man. I'm your woman. Come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Help me to be an overcomer. Jesus, I choose you to be the captain of my life. You pray that prayer. You pray that prayer every time you think of it. Jesus will hear. He will come down. He'll put his arms around you. He will cover you with his blood and you will be saved. I want to pray this morning that that is your experience. God bless. Jesus, I